0: Three ...of a series that I've entitled, Tell the World, and it's really been about sharing our faith. And so, I'm going to attempt to preach shorter this week, because I have a, an assignment for you at the end before we leave today. And uh, so, I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler alert. There is a pop quiz today. A couple weeks ago, in week one, I gave you homework... And uh, if you did that homework, it will help you on the pop quiz today, and, uh, but that'll come at, towards the end. And, uh, but I'm going to share some things with you, uh, continuing along the lines of what we've been talking about over these last couple weeks, which is that everybody has a story. Like, you're in church, and I pray that you know why you're here Like, why do you show up at church? Why do you serve Jesus? Because the Bible tells us in 1 Peter that we're to always be ready to give an account of our hope. Why do I hope in Jesus? Why do I believe that he has forgiven my sins? Why do I believe that he is coming back for me to take me to a place that is way better than this planet? We call it heaven. And the Bible says we ought to all, not just me as as somebody who communicates the word of God publicly, but we should all be ready to tell our story. Now you can call it your testimony, you can call it all these things. It's your story and it's unique to you. And God has done specific things in your life. And and maybe you haven't thought about it in a while and it's time to refresh your memory and remember what God has done in your life. And, And here's the thing, all of our stories are still being written. None of us are the end yet. Right? You breathing? Then you don't have a the end yet. So your story is still being written. And so wherever you may find yourself today, I have really good news, which is your story can be better. And God wants to write a better story in your life and for you and through you. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this and even not just about really sharing our own story, although that is important. And we've been kind of the the focus scripture, if you will, comes out of John chapter four. And I'm just going to read two verses here. Uh, Verse 35 and 36 out of John 4, Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he says, Hey, wake up and look around you. Pay attention. Open your eyes. The message translation says, I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. The fields are already ripe for harvest and the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit that they harvest is people brought to eternal life. Paraphrase, What's the fruit that we actually produce is people coming to Jesus, people putting their faith in Jesus, people putting their trust in Jesus. And we all have this responsibility. It's not just, well, pastor, that's your job. My job is to train you to reach people. That's actually my responsibility. Now, I still have a responsibility to reach people in my day-to-day life. And so, but it's a shared responsibility between all of us. It's not just one person's job or just a select few people's job or, well, that person has the gift. Well, that's fine. But that doesn't uh, pull me away from my responsibility as a believer. Is that, you know, the Great Commission, go into all the world. In other words, wherever your feet go, share the gospel. Wherever you find yourself, share the gospel. You're like, well, I don't know how to do that. We can help you. But it starts with you knowing your why. You got to know why you're following Jesus. I challenge you in week one to write it out. That was your homework assignment from a couple weeks ago. I said write out your why. Why are you serving the Lord? Why are you following after Him? And so, um, you know, so we've been sharing that. And so, I, I, even in the last couple weeks, I'm going to recap just a couple of things here before we get into some content for today. But. I told you that the goal of the church is to help us to follow Jesus and to equip us and energize us to share our faith. How many of you remember me saying that? That's the goal of the church. The goal of the church is not to show up, have a service and go home and nothing changes. The goal is to come here, charge our batteries, so that we have a reason to go out and to share our faith. And we don't need to give people stale relationship. Like we ought to be passionate about what God is doing and has done in our life. And here's the thing. Only we can control that. We control our passion level. We can say, oh, well, the Lord's got to do something. He will if I'm hungry. The Bible says, if you're hungry, I will feed you. If you're thirsty, I'll give you something to drink. And so there's this passion element into our relationship with God. And if it's gotten stale, it's not on God's end. And I say that as somebody who's just as human as you are. And so, I, you know, I mean, I have certain routines and every now and then, kind of like today, I want to break up the routine. Why? Because sometimes you have to break up your routine. I was in a small group. We were reading a book was a couple of semesters ago uh, in our men's one that we do on Tuesday mornings, which, by the way, I'm not a morning person. Like if I see the sun rise, something is wrong. That's the way most days happen. I mean, I'll go out there and howl at the moon all night long, but uh, but I get up at 5.15 on Tuesday mornings just to come be in relationship. It's a sacrifice. Do I want to get out of bed? Absolutely not. And every week, I make the sacrifice. Why? Because I need it, right? And, well, Anyhow, but... So sometimes you need to break your routine. Well, there was a a little nugget that I pulled out of a book that we had read together and we were discussing. And there was a, a phrase that the author had written in the book, which was a change of pace and a change of place will bring a new perspective. And sometimes even in our devotional life, in our walk with the Lord, we just keep doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. And we wonder why it gets old. Maybe you need to change it up. Maybe you need to do something different. Maybe you need to change up your routine. And every now and then I do that just because I get bored with it. And I'm like, I just need something different. I need to be challenged differently. And so I'll do something different purposefully. Why? Because if I'll change my pace, sometimes it's even my place, like my physical location, I'll get away and go somewhere just to connect with God in a different way. Because it's, you know, you get in your routine. You're like, well, I'm in my chair and it's perfectly for me. And I sit here and I got my my drink over here. And I got my snack over here. And I got my Bible right here. And the light's just right. And the music's just right. And the air conditions hit me just right. And the glory fills the room. That's the way we feel sometimes. Well, sometimes you need to change all that. Because sometimes you can become so dependent upon your environment that you can no longer connect with the Lord. And that becomes a problem, Right? That's not in my notes. That's all for free. And, uh, so, But no, when we come to church, we need to what? We need to be stirred up. Paul told Timothy this. He said, stir yourself up on your most holy faith. Timothy, I'm not doing it for you. You have to. And if you come to church thinking that I have the ability to stir up your faith, you're looking at the wrong person. I'm just a vessel. I'm a channel that God can use, yes, but just like you. But you have to do something with it, right? And so even in our learning, and some of you are way more educated than me and can tell me all the specifics, but there's two types of learning. There's lecture, which is this right here. But how many of you know, you don't learn that much in this setting. You learn in a lab. And we're going to do some lecture today and we're going to do some lab today. That's why you're sitting at a table. Because I don't know. How many How many of you are like me and are hands on people? Like don't tell me to do it. Tell me how to do it. Show me how to do it. And then let me do it. Why? Because if you just tell me and I watch you. I'm probably not going to remember. Or I'm going to say can you do that again. Or I'll start doing it. But like, hey how did you do that? You know I did electric work for a number of years. And I, so I, I worked with a, a friend of mine. Who was an electrician for 25 years. And there were certain little things that he would do that I just kind of picked up on. I'm like, hey, why do you do this? And why do you do that? And he's like, I don't do that. And then he would do it and be like, I guess I do. And I'm like, well, why? And he would tell me and I'm like, thank you. And then I started doing it that way. You know, and so even there are things in our life though that we need to pay attention to and figure out. But it's hands on. It's not just, hey, you live off of my relationship with God. It won't work. Like it's a personal relationship. God wants to be in connection with you. And, and so, but out of, out of that relationship can actually become the passion to reach what God cares about, which is people. If I'm connected to God, I will care about what he cares about. I care about what my wife cares about most of the time. <laughs> Full discretion here. But there are things, I'll give you an example. When we were dating, I went to a ballet. <laughs> Do I look like the kind of guy that... Likes to attend a ballet. You may love it. <laughs> it is not my thing. But because I loved my wife, I loved the ballet. at least for the moment. I told her I did. <laughs> but when you care about somebody, you do care about what they care about. Well, if we have a passionate relationship with the Lord, we're going to care about what He cares about. And we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks, is that God loves us, but we're found. We're in the family. He is distracted by that which is lost, which is other people. Well, how are lost people going to come to know Jesus? You're sitting right here. I think it was in week two that I told you that you're a local missionary. That this is your mission's field. And sometimes we can have the mindset, well, one day I'll go on a trip somewhere. Yeah, but you're planted in a field right now. And if you'll look up and pay attention, there's harvest all around you. So we've been discussing these things. And so, uh, you know, I would encourage you with this is that we need to live and to love in a way that makes people ask why. We were just singing about this. I will build my life upon your love. Well, love motivates. Love will make you do some goofy things that you wouldn't normally do. But yet, love will motivate you to do those things. And so, that's how we ought to live before people. We need to live a life that's not just not weird, but it is a little peculiar. It is different than the world's normal flow of life. But we ought to love differently. Why? Because it is the hallmark. It is the defining characteristic of a Christian. Jesus said this, you will be known by your love. Not by your faith, not by your deeds, not by all these other things, by your love specifically for one another. And so that's the challenge to us as believers. You go read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And if you really want to be spiritual, read it in the Amplified Bible and then just go do that. You could live on those four verses for a long time and keep working. It's tough, but yet yet God says, I'm going to give you the desire and the ability to do everything that I desire for you to do. God's not saying, you have to muster this up. He said, I'm going to put that desire in you. So let me ask you a question. So now we're going to get into some new content. That was all recap and freebies. This is new stuff. This is just an honest question that you can reflect on. If God answered every single one of your prayers... Right now. Every single one. Everything that you've asked the Lord for. Here's my question for you. Would it change the world or would it just change you? Would it change the world around you and the world in large? Or would it just change you? Because what you pray about is what matters to you. And what you pray about is what you're focused on. And so it matters. And you're like, well, I don't pray. It's a good time to start. Pastor Daniel was talking about that. We believe in prayer. Why? Because prayer makes a difference. And I, I say this about me all the time. I declare it as a declaration is that when I pray, things are going to happen. And you're like, well, that sounds great. Maybe you should start saying it until you begin to believe it. I've been saying it for a long time. So I believe when I pray, things are going to happen. Why? Because I'm thoroughly convinced from the word of God that when I pray, he listens. He listens. And when he listens, he acts. Psalms 103 says that the angels of the Lord are like sprinters in in blocks getting ready to run, waiting to hear the word of the Lord. Like, well, what does that mean? That means when I pray according to the word of God, like I don't just say, God, can you help me? I say, Father, I thank you that your word says that this belongs to me as your child. And I thank you that right now you move heaven and earth to bring out your plan and your purpose into my situation right now. And it gives me a lot of confidence. Why? Because it's not my opinion. It's God's word, which is God's promise. So I'm not confident in myself, but I am confident in him. And the Bible says he watches over his word to perform it, to bring it about, to make it happen in my life. It's his pleasure to make it happen. I don't have to beg him. Why? Because he seated me in heaven with Christ. I'm not trying to convince him of anything. He's already said yes. It's not a maybe. Maybe. If it, if you can, I mean, that's why I encourage you go to the scriptures. If you can find a promise in scripture, if it's a principle, a promise, if it's these types of things, it's yours. You can have it. You don't have to pull back from it. You don't have to be like, well, God, you know, if you just got a little extra grace, could you spare me something? He's got, I got more grace than you need. God told Paul in his struggle, he said, my grace is sufficient. Paul, I got enough. I got enough for you. Don't worry about it. He's not going to run short. And so even as we're praying, we need to be open and enlarge our vision. We need to start asking God, God, give me eyes to see opportunities to reach lost people around me. You're like, I don't know any lost people. That's the greatest lie of the enemy that you can believe. You know more lost people than you do saved people. And if you don't, get out your house. Go to the park. Go to the restaurants. Go somewhere where there are people, and you will find lost people. And I believe if you pray, like we pray, Lord, send laborers across their path. How about we start praying, Lord, make me that laborer. Make me that person. Like, God, I've got my antennas out, and I'm looking for opportunities to speak your goodness into people's life. And it doesn't mean that you're shouting and yelling and all these. Sometimes it's just having the right word at the right moment for the right person. And say, hey, I know that you're struggling with this, but can I just share a little bit of wisdom with you? And, hey, I'm going to pray for you. You would pray for me? Absolutely. You want me to pray right now? They may be like, oh, no, not right now. Okay. But you'd be surprised how many people would say yes. Yeah, let's pray right now. I mean, their willingness will actually make you uncomfortable. You're like right here in the grocery aisle. Yep. (laughs) Why? Because they're desperate for an answer. They need an answer. So if you want a passion for those who are far from God, start praying for lost people that you know. Start praying that God gives you eyes to see people that you may not be aware of. Why? Because your passion will follow your prayers. What you focus on becomes important to you. Excuse me. So this is important. Goodness, let me drink a little bit of water. I never drink water when I speak, hardly. That was for dramatic effect. <laughs> I'm learning from Aaron. I'm taking tips. You know, I needed some. I needed some dramatic music right there. But no. But when we pray, it really serves a threefold purpose. Is it first and foremost prayer, or our fellowship with God? Is just that. It's for fellowship with the Lord. It's relationship time with the Lord. But it's also for confrontation against the enemy. It's not just kumbaya. It's it's, it's battle stations. Why? Because the Bible says, take a firm stand against the evil one. Why? Having done all to stand, you keep standing. You put on the spiritual armor. Go read in, the, in, in Ephesians where it talks about putting on the whole armor of God. Why? Because we're in a fight. We're going to have some opposition. And the problem is, is that, you know, it, it's like that phrase, like some people are playing checkers and other ple- people are playing chess. Yeah, we're, we're playing a, a, a menial game and the devil's over here like masterminding stuff. Why? Because we just think we don't know the rules of the game. Let me just say this. You have victory over the enemy. You have authority over him. Just what are you doing with it? So prayer is fellowship with the Lord. It's confrontation with the enemy. But it's also asking according to the promises of the word of God. You have not because you ask not. Knock and the door will be open. Jesus is not going to kick the door down for you. But he's standing at the door. I got your answer. I got your answer. I'm just waiting for you to open the door. I'm not going to barge in. See, I believe that the lost, those who are far from God, actually are more interested in a conversation than they are a church service. They would rather you sit at a table with them at lunch and say, "Hey, let's talk. I know you're struggling right now. I know you're worried right now. I know you're fearful right now. Can I just talk to you as a friend?" And they would be more receptive to have lunch with you where you're actually interested in them than they are in dragging them to church. Now I, I encourage you to bring people to church. But I'm just telling you, that's not the, the the height of the goal. The goal is that you actually learn to share your faith in a meaningful way that it makes a difference to those around you. So that takes some confidence. And so, but here's so having said all that, I'm going to challenge you with this. In the next 52 weeks, which is one year, bring somebody twice. Two out of the 52. Bring somebody with you. Invite somebody with you. Like, well, what if they say no? Move on and invite them again later. Start praying for them. God, open their eyes. The Ephesians 3 prayers. God, open the eyes of their understanding that they would know the hope of their calling. God, make them hungry for you. Make them desire you. Make them desire your truth. They may not even understand it, but yet they're hungry. And they're looking because the truth is everybody's looking for something. They just don't know what they're looking for yet. But we can pray. We can, why? Because when we pray, things are going to happen. Hearts are going to shift. Circumstances are going to change. So pray. Now, some of you probably have the thought, well, I thought I did my part. I showed up at church. Well, that's because you've been taught wrong. I don't mean that to be offensive, but it's... Look, I just read the Bible and I believe the Bible. And I take the Bible over anybody else's opinion. So it is the supreme authority for me. And according to Scripture, the goal is not coming to church. The goal is reaching people. I mean, it was primary and of utmost importance. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5... Read um, three verses, four verses here. Verse 17 is a very familiar uh, scripture. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Here it says that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. It's a gift. You just have to receive it. It says, who brought us back to himself. In other words, you didn't go to God. He came to you. That's an important truth. You want to know how to share your faith? This is a great way. In other words, it's by God's grace alone that I'm saved, not by works. I can't earn my way to Jesus. He came for me. He came for you. It said, and God has given us. Notice that us word. I think I highlighted it. No, yes, I did. Given us this task. Not me, not pastor, not the professional Christians, not those super spiritual people. He gave all of us an assignment. He gave us the task of reconciling people back to him. Like what does that mean? To restore relationship. To bring back to original intent. That's what that word really means. It says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. You want to win some people to Jesus, tell them their sins are forgiven and quit telling them that they're just a sinner. Now, they have to receive forgiveness. And, you know, I mean, you have to believe in Jesus, not just a a super hyper grace thing. That's not what I'm saying. So please don't read into that. But what I'm saying is every sin that will ever be committed has already been paid for. But we have to receive that forgiveness. But many people are so aware of their sin that they don't know anything about forgiveness or they don't believe that it's actual truth there. So it says that, that God is no longer counting people's sins against them. And it says that he gave us, again, gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. We are God are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us so we speak for Christ. If somebody's going to hear Jesus talk to them, it's going to sound a lot like you. That's what this verse is saying. And it says that they're going to hear Christ plea, which is come back to God. For God who made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is the goal. This is what God has for us. This is our assignment. You're like, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. He's given you an assignment right there. You start doing this, the rest you can figure out. You've got gifts varying, yes, but we all have a responsibility. It's not one person or one group. It's our responsibility. In the very beginnings of the church in Acts chapter 1, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. It's this amazing, glorious moment. He's gone to the cross, died, risen from the dead. It's this amazing moment. And so we see the birth of the early church happening in the book of Acts. They start gathering together. They start doing things and Jesus comes to them in verse 4 and 5. He says, once when they were eating or when he was eating with them, he commanded them. Everybody notice that word commanded. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. He commanded. It's a powerful word. In other words, I'm not asking your opinion. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. As I've told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're like, well, why? Why would Jesus say that I need to to receive the Holy Spirit? Because he says it will empower you. We're about to look at this verse in verse 8. But God's design is actually to empower us to be witnesses around, to those around us. Let me say another. God wants to give you the boldness to share your faith. Now, you can stir it up, but God will actually help you and will give you the boldness. Because, look, I think, the, I think our culture is tired and worn out on kind of coward is Christianity. Our culture has no problem shoving their agenda down our throat. And that's not a political statement. But I live by a different set of rules and you should live by a different set of rules or a different ordinance to your life. Your world should orient around a different set of rules. Well, those that they want to live by will lead to death. The ones that I live by, according to scriptures, what leads to life and life more abundantly. So if I've got the goods, why would I not tell people, hey, that's bad and this is good. I mean... Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. I can't save myself, but Jesus can. I can't fix myself, but Jesus can. I can't heal myself, but Jesus can. I can't make sense of the chaos of my thought life, but Jesus can help me why? by what? The power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus says, hey... Don't go past go until you get the Holy Spirit. Verse 8 says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power for what? And you will be my witnesses. This is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just so that we can have some spiritually elite status. It's so that I can stand firm in a trying time, and a trying day. Why? So that I look different and sound different and behave different than the culture around me. Romans 12 says that the world will try to pull me down to its level of immaturity, but yet the grace of God will cause me to rise up in maturity to live differently. So that what? People will ask me, what is different about you? This is the gospel. This is our responsibility as believers. It goes on and it says that we're to be witnesses telling people about Jesus everywhere we go. Where should I share Jesus? Are your feet there? Yes. Now again, do not be weird and tell them you go to church here. (laughs) The most effective form of evangelism evangelism, or sharing your faith is when you are you. Because people trust you, but when you get funky, they get weirded out. Be you. We talked about this in week one. At the very end, I gave you specific steps. And yet it gives us some, it does qualify some areas. It says, in Jerusalem, in the city you live. In Judea, the state or the nation that you live. And to the uttermost parts of the earth, to the ends of the earth. So let me ask you a question. If I called you to court and said, I need you to be a witness for me. What does that mean? What am I asking of you? To testify. To testify. Let me say it another way. I'm asking you to come tell what you know. And in court, you're under oath. If you lie, that's perjury. I'm not calling you to court. But a witness testifies. They simply say, this is what I know. I can't tell you what I don't know, but this is what I do know. I heard a noise at whatever time. I saw this at this time. And that may not be the whole story, but it's part of the story. And that's our job as believers. Let me help you here. Is that Jesus is not expecting or isn't expecting perfection from you. Sometimes we can think, man, oh, I'm not ready to share my faith. You're the perfect candidate. Like I messed up. Exactly. People know you're messed up already. So you ain't fooling them anyways. So just begin to tell them about the grace that has been made available to your messed upness. They know you're not Perfect. You'll never be perfect. I'll never be perfect. Jesus, his expectation is not perfection. But he is looking for my yes. Yes, sir, I will do this. Yes, sir, I will share. And you're like, well, how do I know? Because you're going to get kind of nervous like little butterflies. You're like, oh my gosh, is this that moment pastor was talking about? Probably. Like, I don't want to sound stupid. Paul said it this way. I would rather be a fool for Christ than a champion in the world. I got to hurry up. See, we're imperfect people telling others about a perfect Jesus that saves and not condemns. Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation. Now, no condemnation. For what? For those who are in Christ. I don't need to feel guilty about my past. It's part of my story, but the beauty of the story is not in what I did. It's in what Christ has done in the middle of it. That's the beauty of the story. So I want to shift just a little bit because we've, we've talked about over the last couple weeks really about impacting your world. And in the, probably the next five minutes, I want to share another aspect of this. Because, you know, I've been sharing with you now for this is the third week about sharing your faith in your context, in your world. And that's important. But we also have more responsibilities as well than that. Is that we go to Jerusalem, we go to Judea, but we also go to the ends of the earth. Some of you don't even realize this, but every month when you give, we take a tithe, a 10%, and we sow it every month. All around the world. In ministries, and in opportunities, and all kinds of avenues. So you're already actually giving to global missions whether you intended to or not. Why? Because missions matter. They really do. Why? Because God cares. Let me give you a couple of statistics, or just really mainly one, but... There are 4 billion people on the planet right now that don't know Jesus. Many of them have never heard of the name of Jesus. 4 billion. There's a little over 7 billion people on the planet right now. That's more than 10. So the amount of people that haven't heard about Jesus is more than 10 times the population of the United States. And there's something called the 1040 window which really starts kind of in northern Africa and sweeps through um, through the kind of the eastern parts of Europe that kind of goes through all the stand countries, you know what I'm talking about? Like Kazakhstan, Afghanistan, all those all the stands. It goes through there, goes through India, it goes into much of the Orient. It's where the predominant number, it's also one of the most densely populated areas of the entire world. But the 1040 window, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Is it longitude and latitude? Is that right? Am I rem- is that right? So it's the longitude lines of the... T- uh, so you go from the equator up to 10, and you go from the equator up to 40. Down? All right, my geography's off. I did not research this, obviously, so... <laughs> I'm not perfect, don't expect it. Thank you for helping me. So, but you go and you look, and, and, and that gives you that span. That's where the majority of those 4 billion people are. Well, how can we not do something about that? How can we just ignore that and say, well, it's not my problem. When we're the most blessed people on the planet. Like you probably don't realize this. Many of you don't. If you're sitting in this room, regardless of income level, you're somewhere between the 3 and 4% richest people on the planet right now. Like our poorest people are wealthy by worldly by the world standard. Look, I've been to the dumps in, in the Philippines. And I've watched families go and dig through the trash to get their meal for the day. I've been all over the world. And I've seen poverty. Like, I mean, we say we have poverty. We don't realize how blessed we actually are. But being blessed does have a responsibility. And we're actively engaged in doing things. And so I want to remind you of something that we did last year. Because I, I actually just recently heard this. Is that the number one biggest bang for your buck regarding the gospel is to send money to Afghanistan right now. It, it reaches more people. Like per person, it's the biggest, best investment. Last year, about, well, just about a year ago in a month... We sent a little over 1,200, 1,300 Bibles to Iran. Do you know where those Bibles also went? Right across the border into Afghanistan. We gave a little over seven, dollars $8,000 in the course of a month to print Bibles in Farsi. How many of you know that you've forgotten about it, but those people haven't? That those Bibles are still being handed from one person to another because they get persecuted for their faith and yet some of you were able to be a part of sending a Bible in a language that they could read. I'll give you another interesting statistic. You can translate the entire Bible for less than a million dollars into a language that does not have a Bible today. You can translate a single verse for $35. See, so both ends of the spectrum. And there's an active push right now to get the Bible written in native languages around the world so that nobody can't read the scriptures. So that it's available. So I'm going to share something I'm going to call vision gap. This is something that I'm believing God for us to do as a church. Because it hasn't been a part of, of, of what we've done, at least in the last four years that I've been here. But this is something that I'm actively believing God that we will do as a church. I'm not saying this year, although we might. Is that I actually want to commit and send every high school student overseas on a trip. And when I say we're going to send them, I mean we're going to pay for it. In case you didn't know what I meant by that. My goal is that every, grad or every uh, kid before their senior year of high school, that we will pay for them to go on a missions trip. Why? Because I believe it matters. Because it's a very pivotal time that 16, 17-year-old, they're trying to figure out the rest of their life. And it's one thing to say, oh, you need to go. It's another thing to say, I'm going to invest in you going and here's what I expect from you. That while you're on that trip, you're going to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? Before you go to college, before you commit to a career, I think you need to hear from the Lord. And there's something about getting into a new place that you can hear the Lord differently... And if you want to partner with me in that come and talk to me and I'll tell you how we can do it because you don't have to just write one big check we can give every month to it but my goal is that we have it built into our budget like January 1 we already know we got X number of dollars to send students or people we'll start with students on a trip I don't know I mean I've been on six continents holding out for Antarctica that's the only one I haven't been on the penguins need to get saved too I hear so I'm game I don't know how many trips I've been on around the world. And some of you have even asked me about going on trips. Will we go on trips? Absolutely, yes. It's not just reserved for these couple of students or these handful of students or whatever. But we have a responsibility. Because we live in a global world. And the younger that our kids are, the more they understand that. I mean, my kid who's seven, which I don't allow him to do this currently, but he has... If I unlocked it would have the ability to play a video game with people from anywhere on the planet right now at seven years old that's not why so how do we don't do that but he, ha- so our kids are growing up in a global world it's one thing for me to tell you that we sent 1500 bibles or 1300 bibles whatever it was but it's another thing for you to go and see the bibles and some of you need to go on a trip. I believe every Christian should go on a, tr- a mission trip to somewhere in the planet at least once in your life. Why? Because it will change your perspective. And you may come back and be like, I'm not called to that. When that's fine. You don't have to be called to it. But there's something that happens in your heart. There's something that shifts on the inside of you. It will make you passionate for the the word of God. It will make you passionate to see God work through you. And so next weekend, I actually have some friends coming. They're they're newer friends I met just a few months ago. It's the Fisher family. We actually support his parents to be in Hong Kong. But this is one of their sons, Joab and Amanda Fisher are going to be here with us next week. I'm going to basically be sort of kind of interviewing them. But they're getting ready to move full time to Turkey, to Istanbul. And so I'm going to be letting them share their story. I mean, he grew up in, a, in when this is part of why I wanted to have them come, as a 12, 13, 14-year-old kid, he was smuggling Bibles into China and thought that was normal. <laughs> Anybody else think that's normal? I mean, like, without parental supervision, him and his brother, who were pre-teens, basically, smuggling Bibles into China, just on them. And, yeah, I mean... And they're getting ready to to move. They've already been over there. They were just there in this last week doing some things. And they came back. And they're going to be here with us next week. And I want you to hear from them. Why? Because they said yes to the Lord. And look, and your yes doesn't look like monkey meat in Africa. More than likely. But we do have a responsibility. I want to share a scripture with you here as I'm wrapping up. It's my last verse for you today. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 13 through 15. So everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. If you want salvation, you got to look to Jesus. It says, but how can they call on Him unless they ha- unless they believe in Him? It says, and how can they believe in Him unless they've- if they've never heard of Him? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who share the gospel. And the reason that I'm giving you a heads up is I have an expectation of you next week. And so I'm telling you about it this week. Is that I want to bless this young family that is leaving everything. I mean, they have, it's, I do if it's four or five kids that are like my kids' age. Moving them to Turkey. Some of you are just like, "Whoa, no way. I don't know the exact number, but I know it's in the 90-something percentile Muslim. They're moving their family there. And the gospel is free, but sending it is not. And I want to bless them. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is not just, I'm going to ask you to honestly pray and just do what the Lord tells you. We already have an amount that I have in my heart that we're going to sow from the church. And I don't always do this. But I'm going to ask you to sincerely pray and just ask the Lord. Do you want me to give to help send them? Because not everybody can go. But if nobody goes, there's nobody to send either. And so I want to bless them financially because it takes resources. This is not a pressure thing. It's really not. I'm just asking you to pray and just be obedient let me give you one little principle from scripture that I've been thinking about this week and it applies to finance applies to a lot of things but the Bible says this in Deuteronomy the those who are willing and obedient will eat the good of the land it's twofold willing and obedient some of you have been willing but the obedient part has not followed through yet and it's time for your actions and your desires to meet Let me say it another way. It's time to put your money where your mouth is. Why? Because if you do, God said, not not pastor, not the church. God says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. In other words, God says, if you just obey me, I'm going to take care of you. I got you. I got you. And as somebody who has practiced this in my life for the last 20 something years, God has had me. Over and over and over. Not to say there haven't been tests, trials, situations, circumstances, all yes. But God has been faithful. God has been faithful. And and so they're going to be here with us next week, and we're going to pray over them. We're going to send them out. We're going to bless them. And so, one last little thought along that line. I had in my notes, I forgot about. There's two things you can do with your money you either spend it or you invest it. If you spend it, it's gone. You're about to go eat lunch in a few minutes. You're going to spend some money or you've already bought some food that cost you money. You're going to consume that food. That money is gone. So you can do that with your money. And there's nothing wrong with spending your money. It's your money. You get to do what you want with it. But think about it when you go pay for something in the next day or so. Shed a little tear and say bye-bye. Because that money has gone. But you can also invest your money. And you can invest your money into the kingdom of God that actually will produce a return. You're like, oh, you're just trying to get my money. No, I'm not. I am trying to get you to see the truth of God's word. And the reality is that God will work and God will do exactly what he said. Don't take my word for it. Go read your Bible. It's in there. You know, Jesus talked about money more than any other subject. If you go read the gospels. Why? Because where your money is, there your heart is also. Your heart follows your money, not your money follow your heart. So it's important that we know that. So, now it's time for pop quiz. Aren't you excited about this? I know y'all have been waiting. Some of you are like, woo, let's do this! So, what I'm going to encourage you to do in about the next, let's just say 10 to 15 minutes, there are a couple cards on your table. Somebody can take the lead. There's two of them. There should be two of these on every table. And there's four, nope, five questions on your table. If you're at a table by yourself, move around. If you, nobody, if you know everybody at your table, go to a different table. Get to know somebody. Can, so we're going to put into action what we've been talking about for a few minutes. So uh, we're going to do an impromptu small group this morning. I know you didn't come here for this, but we're going to do an impromptu small group. Remember, I want to make you uncomfortable. Congratulations, I have accomplished that now. So, what I'm asking you to do is take the next 10-15 minutes. You're going to answer these questions. So, there's two of them on your tables. I want you to answer them. Talk amongst your table. You're going to meet some people that you don't know. You're going to find out some stuff that you didn't know. And at the end, I'm encouraging you to pray with one another. Here's why. When you pray, I believe things are going to happen. And this is a component of every small group that we have is that we ask you to pray together every time. And so you guys can go ahead. They're going to turn on some music. Pastor Daniel will come up here in a few minutes and we'll wrap up service. But take these couple of minutes. Look, I made the questions easy for you. And if you did your homework, they're even easier. So go ahead and start discussing amongst yourselves.